Welcome back to a new episode of The Talk, the podcast about changing the world from Nordea private banking. I'm Walter Nesland, and today I have a very special episode for you. In the last episode, we talked to the founder and CEO of Fishbrain, the world's largest community for fishing. This month, we talked to another founder of another vertical community. He's a Danish entrepreneur based in Copenhagen. He's been listed as one of the 30 most interesting people under 30 years of age by Forbes. And he's the co-founder of Artland, the world's biggest community for buying and selling art. Here's my conversation with Mattis Kurt. Just tell me a little bit about uh, Artland. What, what is Artland? So Artland is an online marketplace where we connecting art buyers with art sellers. Uh, we work with over 300 galleries worldwide. And they, we basically help them to, to provide or give them an online presence, help them to drive sales online. And uh, we do that not only to, to, to build a marketplace, as you know it from, from other uh, uh, sectors or, or markets, we also help them to basically be, uh, be able to present their artworks in, 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 in 3D. So you are able, uh, with our platform, to see the works uh, going around in the galleries, uh, either with 3D technology or VR technology, which is one of the, the, the most important things to elevate the experience of art online, which has been one of the, the main challenges we wanted to solve when we went to the market. And make sure that all the ones that were hesitant because they could not see what the work were like online, that they're actually able to do so. So that's, that's the main um, uh, thing that we do in Artline. So, okay, so, and given the situation with Corona, people can't, yeah. can't go to art galleries, it seems like this would be the perfect solution. Yeah, sure. So COVID-19 have, have basically, I would say, accelerated the development of the art market uh, online. And what has happened in the last half a year was something I expected to happen within the next two to three years, the kind of movement we have seen. So um, we, we have, uh, like the art market is um, uh, traditional. It's uh, very slow to adapt to uh, especially online solutions and new technologies. But with COVID-19, it became a need to have, um, which have accelerated uh, the, the development. So we have also grown like as crazy this year um, with, the, with that development. And yeah, right now, many galleries, um, the, uh, are struggling to to sell as they do normally because they are not able to do their physical exhibitions. So we can help them there and, and do this almost the same kind of experience, but just online. So you can buy and sell art, but is it also like a community for people to discuss art? Yeah, but, uh, it's 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 not for discussing art. I would say we started out actually as a collective community because one of the things that was important for us was to show and 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 figure out and learn from the buyers. We wanted to make sure that we could build a product that was um, something that the buyers wanted to use on a regular level. So we could get them back to inspire them and make sure that we could could uh, hook them, as, as you would normally say. So we started out as a collective a community um, and we are today the, the biggest library uh, or the biggest com- uh, collective community worldwide. We have the biggest library of private collections, meaning that uh, uh, the collectors are able to upload and manage their collections and share it with each other. Uh, which is um, which is how we started out, and and that also was of course a, a big um, um, uh, thing for for the galleries was to be able to to tap into that community when we started open up for galleries to join and, and build up the marketplace that way. So we did it, 
you know, the other way around. When you do a, a two-sided marketplace, it's always uh, you always have the, the challenge of, of, of solving the, the chicken and the egg problem. And we did it this way. Yeah, that, that seems to be a recurring theme for everybody who's <laughs> exactly. ever worked with the two-sided um, yeah, yeah. community. Yeah. But, um, so, but it, does it also work in the way, so, you know, even if you're... Um, your piece is not for sale you can still bid on it or how does it work yeah, so basically uh, collectors uh, are able to contact each other uh, and, and write to each other if, if they see something interesting uh, in the collections and they can have a dialogue about it yeah, yeah I, I spoke uh, in the last episode with Johan Atby he's the founder of uh, the world's largest fishing community uh, Fishbrain yeah Fishbrain amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I know Fishbrain very well. I've I've, I've used the Fishbrain. I've, I've also been a, a, a product owner in, in something called Tonsor, a social platform for for football players. Uh, was was in, in in the starting period of, of that company. We use Fishbrain. I've also used it in Artland for inspiration. It's it's an amazing community to be honest. It's it's, it's amazing. What so happy so yeah. to say that you have to listen <laughs> yeah. to the last episode. Uh, but uh, he I told to me that that uh, the, the era of of. Um, general social networks is coming to an end and that the, the the vertical social networks is the is the future yeah i think um that that is a hypothesis that that um is for sure something that we probably will see happen uh but it's still a hypothesis i think what we see is still that uh, a lot of the, the 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 traffic and engagement is still happening on on the main platforms even though that instagram facebook and and, and platforms like that are changing um, so um, let's see what will happen, but for sure, we will see more niche communities, uh, and, you know, uh, are coming forward and being the main platforms for people with some a passion to be there. Um, but let's also see what happens with the social communities in general. Let's see what happens if we get tired of it uh, in general, because I, I think that we will see um, a trend of going off these kind of platforms to use time on something else to look inward instead of outward. I actually think that we we, um, we will see that trend also coming. So the, the, the question is how much of that traffic that, that those platforms will, will lose, how much can, can those niche uh, communities actually catch, uh, capture? That's also a question for us. Yeah, that, that's uh, not least when people saw the social dilemma. <laughs> exactly, panic. exactly, exactly. Yeah, uh, true. Of, of course, but but yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think that's absolutely true. I think we we definitely see that that trend, and I you know, also kind of feel it yourself. I guess a lot of us do. Um, but yeah. uh, but it's different when it comes to fishing or art. You know, that's that's interests that are real interests. It's not about yeah. generally scrolling. And I would say also that. I mean, if if in any in any product it starts out general and then it becomes more focused on on the actual thing you want to do. True. Um, but what do you think about art uh, for you? Has that been like the source of why you started with this? Was, was that an art interest, or was it the other way around? So it was actually because my my brother that I co-founded Artland with and I was uh, wanted to 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 invest in some art and. And what we found out in that process of, of buying our first piece of art was, was pretty amazing. <laughs> we, we really found out that this market was, you know, uh, it's, it seems like um, there was nothing happening online at all. It seemed like it was one of the markets that haven't been, been able to, to find any solutions there. It was uh, inaccessible. It was intransparent, meaning that it was so difficult for us to, 
basically find something online. And in our generation, generation, if it's if it doesn't exist online, it, it doesn't exist at all, right? So that that was one of the main things that we we could see. Well, if we needed to engage our um, uh, generation, um, we could 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 for sure help this market to become more accessible. That was the fir- first step. Um, and, and, and basically one of the, the experiences we had, we, we went to a gallery and we, uh, we saw a piece we, we liked and we asked, uh, what, what does this cost? And the gallery said, well, it cost um, uh, $15,000. <laughs> and, uh, and we were like, oh, all right, uh, cool, but, but uh, why? Uh, and the explanation was like a bit, you know, it was a seller trying to sell us something. So, of course, we go home, we Google it, and we find nothing, nothing. So that was the kind of, one of the kind of aha moments that we thought we, we could do this better. We, we could make sure that we may, may, uh, created some access, we created some education, uh, some information, and, and that was the first step. Next step was then to elevate the experience because also seeing art uh, online is, is, is very flat, and that was also what we experienced. The things we found was, was a flat experience. Uh, online at least, so so that was why we we also uh, looked into the the 3D and VR technologies to make sure that we could, you know, create the same kind of experience online that that uh, that it was offline. So, an Artland today, how big is Artland today? So we have a quarter of a million visitors a month. Uh, we work with 300 galleries worldwide, uh, and we we have around 50,000 collectors registered. Um, meaning that it is uh, now the biggest uh, uh, um, collective community as such. So, so that's the size today. Is it mainly in uh, in, this, in the Nordic countries or in the US? Or it's actually very global. Like one of the things that you learn to you learn as an entrepreneur, and you hear from a lot of uh, of other ones, is, is like these kind of uh, local or focus go-to-market strategies that you need to implement in order for you to really capture market uh, effectively and then go from market to market and learn from that. What we have done, or what we have seen is actually this, this, the Apple is very global and it's born very global, meaning that it, we don't have to focus on specific markets as, as you normally have to do to, to saturate it or to have them talk about each other. Um, everything is, 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 is global as such. Um, so, so we have basically found um, a, a good way for us to 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 work uh, with galleries all around the world without uh, the need for for having a, a team that that captures uh, those markets. So, um, a, a third of the traffic comes from the the US, um, and I would say um, a third from from Europe and a third from the rest of the world. We look at you. I mean, you're supposed to be at least when we read about you in Forbes and all these fancy <laughs> magazines. It seems like you're a sports geek from the beginning. That's how it all started out, right? Yeah, true, true. So I I, actually, I have a bachelor's degree in in sports science. So that was my my background. I I still actually have a company uh, doing team building and sports camps and stuff like that. Like within the, that, my actually third brother is running. So that's amazing. That's that's really great. Uh, and that and I learned from from that really how to to really execute because when you're building an event company, you you, you become good at executing. And and that was my background. But what 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 I'm uh, it's also sometimes slow to build up those kind of companies because it requires a lot of time. Uh, and it's very organic. What you can do with tech is so amazing. So that was why, like, 
I wanted to 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 build stuff that could could um, you know make a a bigger difference for for more people, and that's where you need to look into tech, of course, because you can you can do that faster to to much more people. So, yeah, but but the 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 background, I'm I'm a sports geek for sure. Yeah. Yeah, how's how's that helped you? Because it seems to me like there's a lot of sports people, not least in extreme <laughs> sports actually, but sports yeah. overall that end up being entrepreneurs. Yeah, I th- I think that what you learn uh, from um, this the sports world is to be very uh, targeted, uh, to set a goal, and then reach that uh, uh, with whatever it takes, right? Uh, that's 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 really the kind of mindset that you learn from doing sports at high level, at least, um, and that's what it's all around, uh, all, all about. I think that's one of the main advantages. It's also often a disadvantage because many of of, of the entrepreneurs that comes from a sports background is of course doing well, but many are also, um, you know, burning out because it it it, it becomes so hard over time that uh, and they haven't learned to to also. Be sure to take care of themselves because they have always learned to push themselves. So I think it's a fine balance, especially from 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 people with that background. Yeah, I guess you have some type of competitive mindset. Exactly. Yeah. That's what you learn from. Like you, you learn to 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 go into something to win it. Yeah. Yeah. And how is it to work with family? You're you're all <laughs> brothers. Everybody's brothers. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All the entrepreneurial <laughs> brothers. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. It works really well. I think, um, of course, the first question we normally get when we say it's brothers is it's like people are surprised and say like, how is it to work together? Isn't it difficult? Well, we we haven't really tried anything else. So so, so <laughs> I don't know if it's... Uh, exactly, I wouldn't know uh, because we've all, all, always been entrepreneurs. But I think one of the advantages is to uh, that we know each other really well both the weak sides and the, and the strong sides, and we don't uh, um, hide something from each other because then we're able to see it. Uh, so there's no reason to do so. Um, and I think that if you do, you of course need to consider if 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 you if, um, if you think you're able to do something with your family members or good friends, but uh, but you can do a lot of things that that can damage this kind of relationship on before and make sure that you, if something goes wrong, you, you, you have everything on paper that you have been writing down. If uh, like, what is the procedure if we, if someone wants to leave or whatever happens. So we don't have to, you know, think about that even. And I think that's so important when you do it, especially with close relations, it's basically uh, important always, but, but uh, not to destroy those relations. It's important if, if something goes wrong. So everything on paper is uh, before you, you start something is so important that process. So you don't have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I guess that's the, the most common <laughs> advice you get from any, anybody, but uh, yeah. yeah, I I would know because I, I'm in, in uh, my business with uh, my wife and my father-in-law. You can just imagine that. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> that's interesting also. <laughs> brave as well yeah uh, yeah i know right um but okay so 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 um but that's that's really nice and and are you you, you come from a sports background uh, from an academic point of view and your is your brother also that or is somebody from tech at all here or is it just no no, no he's he's actually even more from a sports background he, okay. had, he was a professional uh, football player mm-hmm. uh for 16 years uh he was doing uh, studies on uh, on the sideline and um, then when we did the we actually did the master together in entrepreneurial engineering, 
uh, at the university. So, and that was where we, we basically found, got the idea for Artland and we got the funding 14 days before the exam as well. So that was a, a fun story also. But, but, um, but he, he was a professional football player for, for a long, long time. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure why we, we went into this, but, um, but something about setting, setting goals is, is for sure something that, yeah, has helped, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, we're all glad you did. So, and you're you're based in Copenhagen. Yep. And what's your view on Nordic entrepreneurship, Denmark in particular? I think in, in general, um, the the communities that have been uh, built around the the especially the tech startups has been really an amazing journey uh, journey to be part of. I think um, I, I know um, most about the the, the scene in, in Stockholm and in Copenhagen, and those are really fantastic. I think that people are very helpful and really want to make sure that we we create those kind of hubs. Um, and um, and it's so easy uh, to actually get in touch with the, with the, with people that that you can get some inspiration from or get help uh, get help from. Um, so I think that's that's amazing. I think that one of the things that is maybe different. Uh, in Scandinavia than in other places of the world is that we are able to actually start companies without taking too too big a risk, meaning that there is that kind of stress that that you have when you take risks is something that we don't have to live as much with as other places in the world. And I think that's really important because um, I know that many are talking about uh, it's it's so important that all founders have something. Uh, uh, that they can lose if it goes wrong, and I think that's wrong. Uh, not because they they need to 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 feel motivated all the the way uh, through the the process, but I don't think motivation comes from uh, from fear, from fear of failing. I think it becomes much more of of the you know belief in in succeeding, and and I think that we in the Nordics or in in Scandinavia have the opportunities to actually focus more on that because. We have some other opportunities because of the society we live in, and we don't have to take the big risk. I think that's really important, and that's why it can really, you know, uh, live here. A, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, told me that uh, in order to make the, the the best work in your life, you have to be to accept that it can turn out as a total failure to be the worst <laughs> thing you've ever done in your life. Exactly. That's the only way to make really great things, and I think that's you know that's part of having the the worst risks kind of shaved off you know the worst absolute worst case scenarios you know won't kill you at least exactly um, but but you, you know in general in Scandinavia the, the worst thing is to fail and tell that to other people because we're not we're not uh, uh oh like that's not the culture up here so so that's a big enough failure in like big enough risk in itself uh fear in itself to to live with starting your company so so um and I think that that's some one of the things that, that we we of course all need to work with up here to change as well because uh, that should of course be removed totally if if, if possible. Yeah, uh, you definitely be able. You need to be able to fail in order to make really great for things. Sure. That's just how for it is. For sure, that's how it is. One, I, I do do some um, uh, uh, some presentations for for different kind of community in Denmark, and, and often what I talk about is. Is uh, is the the entrepreneur's mental stem, stamina um, that I think is is the most important uh, uh, element or factor 
um, that you need to work with, as, a, as especially as a founder of something. You need to be sure that you're able to do this in the long run and take good care of yourself. And I think sometimes we forget that part when we talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about the entrepreneur as a strong superman that are able to, to basically do whatever it takes to reach the goal. And what we forget is that uh, 90% doesn't reach the goal and they also have some, 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 sometimes some mental damages afterwards. I think that we, we, we sometimes forget to talk about how to take good care, especially of the founder team, especially of the ones that joins early on and work all day, all night to make it happen because you need to do uh, things with very little resources. So one of the things that would be great to have a more focus on in, in, the, in, the, in the debate or the discussion or the talks about entrepreneurship is not always about, um, or it would be great to talk about that part as well. Uh, so that would be uh, maybe something that I would um, suggest uh, founders or something starting to, to uh, looking into starting a company. Uh, make sure that you also use time to develop yourself mentally. Uh, to be able to follow the journey and to be able to 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 be a human in that process. I think that's one of the best things that anybody's ever said on this podcast. So <laughs> thank you so <laughs> much for that. And thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Talk, the podcast about changing the world from Nordea Private Banking. I'm Walter Neslund, and for the rest of this season, I'll be taking you through a total of 12 interviews with the three most interesting entrepreneurs we can think of from the four Nordic countries. And the lineup we have is fantastic. So hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of them. And thanks again. Have a great day.